Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate that. One of the things I'd like to say this morning is thank you for all your support. Thank you for your uh, financial support. Thank you for your prayers. And we certainly are praying for you. And uh, we are praying for the family. We certainly are praying for our nation today and for people around the world. This morning, we're going to be looking at a very familiar verse of Scripture. In fact, most people could almost quote it, and even though it's found in the Old Testament, and it's taken from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and tell their wicked ways, then, God says, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And as we focus on this very familiar verse today, I want to read the introduction that we have for the message. It says, British historian Herbert Butterfield of the University of Cambridge, he wrote this, Sometimes it is only by a cataclysm that man can make the, his escape from the net which he has taken so much trouble to weave around himself. And he goes on to say this, sheer grimness of suffering brings men sometimes into a profounder understanding of human destiny. Robert Nicholson of San Jose State University wrote, sometimes the most important ingredient for spiritual renewal is a cataclysmic event. And he wrote an article some time back, and it was, in, it was in, t entitled, A Coronavirus, or Virus Rather, Great Awakening. And Mr. Nicholson goes on to say, today the world faces a moment of cataclysm. The pandemic has remade everyday life and wrecked the global economy in a way that feels apocalyptic. So I asked a question, and as I looked at these two statements and what others were saying and what others were writing, I want to ask the question, could a plague of biblical proportion be America's best hope for religious revival? Ask yourself that question. And as we ask ourselves that question, let us look at the means of a great awakening. Let us, not also, also, let us also look at the means of healing of our land. And I'd like to begin by looking at national sins. National sins. Uh, someone said that national trouble should cause a people to consider their ways and to seriously reflect upon their national sins. I'm reminded of the nation of Israel, how that you know, God would bless the nation. They would serve him for a while. And then they would turn against the Lord. They would begin to worship false gods and idols. And then God would allow, God would allow certain things to happen to them. And that trouble brought them back to repentance and reformation. And so God allows things to happen. I do not ascribe to God what may easily be traced 
to natural causes. I want you to understand that. I observe, though, the more science, the better. But there is no question that the answer to America's spiritual problem is of vital importance for us today. So ask ourselves this question, what is the answer? What is the formula? What can we do, not only as a nation, but as God's people? In fact, if you look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, this powerful verse, this very meaningful verse for us today, God Almighty is writing to his people. He is writing to the church. And the formula for solving the problems that we have so often is found in this particular verse in the Old Testament. I'm reminded that Ronald Reagan's mother, Nell Reagan, wrote next to this verse a most wonderful verse for the healing of this nation. Uh, as we think about if my people, which are called by my name, shall first of all humble themselves, here is a fourfold condition with a threefold result. God gives us conditions in order for us to see something happen in our lives. Not only something happen, but something positive to happen in our lives. Let's look at these today. First of all, in order to experience the results of this verse, he says to humble ourselves. As I was studying this, I thought about Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, how that this man was so prideful that he, it turned him into a madman. And the Bible speaks of Nebuchadnezzar as he was like an animal. He went out into the fields and as I said, was like a madman. But God allowed this to happen to humble him, himself, and sore punishment led to deep humiliation. Even though he had lost his mind, even though that he had gone in this way of destruction, God lifted that, God blessed him, and he came back to his kingdom once again, and he recognized Jehovah, God Almighty. In Luke chapter 18, uh, Jesus, I love this. Jesus is speaking of the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Now keep in mind that God is challenging us today to humble ourselves. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Also, he spoke this parable, Jesus, to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. This is the way they felt. And he says this, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, idolaters, or even as this tax collector here praying in this corner, standing or far off, would not so much, and he would not so much as even lift his eyes to heaven. Jesus said the tax collector would not even lift his eyes to heaven, 
but beat his breast, saying, and what a powerful, short prayer we find. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I want to ask you something. Are you like the Pharisee with pride that separates us from God? Or are we like the tax collector that's willing to pray this short prayer, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Let me tell you what Jesus said concerning these two men. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself certainly will be exalted. So God challenges you and I as his church, as his people, to humble ourselves. First of all, humble yourself before the Lord. Second of all, repent. Now, this is a theme throughout the Bible. I, I, I could not help but think of Daniel, the great prophet, and how that in Babylon, in a foreign land, he knew what it was to repent. But Daniel prayed a powerful prayer, repenting for the nation of Israel, confessing their sin as his own sin. So the Bible says that we are to repent. We are to turn. That's what the word repentance means. It means to turn. And we turn from our wicked ways. And we not only turn from our wicked ways, but we certainly turn to God. Number one, the first thing is to humble ourselves. Number two is to repent. And then the Bible says to pray. I love what someone said. They said prayer is for the most part an untapped resource, an unexplored continent where untold treasure remains to be unearthed. Prayer. You remember the Bible in the New Testament, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. I believe it's time for you and I, it's time for the church to pray. I'm talking about really praying and believing God. Really praying and understanding that God does answer prayer. Someone said that God answers every prayer. Sometimes he, said, he says yes. Sometimes he says no, and maybe sometimes he says, you got to be kidding. But God does hear our, pr our prayers. God does answer our prayers. And so I want to challenge the church today. I want to challenge you. As you're having to stay home a lot, maybe even be by yourself a lot, take out time. As an old song that we sung many years ago, steal away somewhere and pray. So in order to see the results that you and I and the world wants to see today, number one, we must humble ourselves. Number two, we must pray and repent. Or to repent. And then number three, we must pray. And then number four, we must seek the face of God. Seek the face of God. Let me read you some scripture that goes along with humbling ourselves, that goes along with praying, that goes along with seeking the face of God. First of all, Matthew says, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Don't let pride rule your life. 
Humble yourself. You said, I'm praying for God to humble me. He knows how to make you cry uncle. He knows how to humble you. But the best thing is for us to humble ourselves. James tells us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And then James says once again in verse 10 of chapter 4, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Again, we're not only to humble ourselves, we're to repent, and we're to call upon the name of the Lord. Call to me, God says, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And then we're to seek the face of God, not just the hand of God, but we're to seek the face of God. You know, the Bible says God's hand is not shortened, that he cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. He will hear and he will answer our prayers. So we're to humble ourselves, we're to repent, we're to pray, we're to seek the face of God. And there are three things that God will do for us. Number one, he will hear. Again, as I said earlier, God hears our prayers. His ears are not so heavy that he can't hear you. You may not feel like it sometimes. You may struggle with doubt sometimes, but God does hear our prayers when we pray. It's an awesome thing to know that we have a God who hears our prayers. And I believe he hears our faintest prayers. Doesn't matter how weak they are at times. If we pray in faith, God Almighty hears our prayers. The second thing he says he will do, he will forgive us. It is an awesome thing to know that we serve a living God who not only hears us, but is willing to forgive us. I love 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you'll humble yourselves, if you're, yourself, if you'll repent, if you'll pray and seek the face of God, God Almighty will hear, he will forgive. And then number three, and I think this is just awesome. Number three, he will heal our land. I love Psalms chapter 103, and I quote it a lot of times. Verse 3, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Number one, who forgives all of your iniquities. And number two, he heals all of our diseases. I believe the Lord is standing ready to heal our land. To once again move for America. Once again move for your home and your life. If we're just willing to follow these particular steps. I'm reminded of French writer Alexis de Tocqueville after visiting America in 1831. He said this, I sought for the greatness of the United States in her commodious harbors, her ample rivers, her 
fertile fields and boundless forest, and it was not there. I sought for it in her rich mines, her vast world commerce, her public school system, and in her institutions of higher learning, and it was not there. I looked for it in her de Democratic Congress and her matchless constitution, and it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness, he writes, did I understand the secret of her genius and her power. America, he went on to say, is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America ceases to be great. My prayer today is God heal our land. God, we come today, first of all, to humble ourselves. I'm reminded of Moses when he encountered the angel of the Lord on the backside of the desert. It was in a flaming bush, a flaming bush. The presence of God was there. And the first thing, or one of the first things that God said to Moses, he said, Moses, take off your shoes for you're standing on holy ground. A quarter of an inch of leather makes us too high in the very presence of God. We need to be as low as we can. We need to be as humble as we can. And I want to challenge you today to humble yourself. I want to challenge you today to pray, repent. I want to challenge you today to seek the very face of God. Do I believe God will heal our land? I do. I want you to listen to one of those beautiful songs when it comes to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It's called, Lord Heal Our Land.
You know, when we think about the land, we can think about the physical location of land. And I think it can mean that. But I also believe it means the land spiritually. I believe it means the land of our heart. And as we understand this challenge to us today, I hope this can be your prayer. Hope this can be your desire and cry out to God. You know, he has the answer. Someone says, we're looking for the answer for all the problems that the world faces today. Christ, Jesus Christ is the answer. I have a model prayer I want to pray because I believe it's so pertinent for us today. And as we pray this prayer, I hope you pray in your heart. Allow God to touch your life. You know, it's one thing for us to pray for someone else, and that's great. It's one thing for us to pray and ask God to touch our neighbors, our friends, our relatives, our loved ones. But how about you? Where do you stand with God? How about your land? How about your spiritual condition today? Pray with me as we pray this prayer. God, you alone are worthy of our honor and glory and praise. With you, we can overcome every storm, including the global impact of COVID-19 is having on our world. Right now, we are asking you to, first of all, heal those who are sick and protect those who are not. Give our leaders extra wisdom as they navigate this pandemic and economic uncertainty. Strengthen your global church. Reveal to us, Father, how we can partner together to reach the needs of those around us. Calm our fears. Fill us with your hope. Fill us with your joy and peace as we, as the church, as believers, continue to trust in you. And Lord, we pray that you'd use this pandemic to pave the way for spiritual renewal. We want your glory. We want your power and your healing to be on display. Come, Lord Jesus, come. In Jesus' name we pray, and we believe that you will. Amen. We're praying today. God, have mercy on America. God, have mercy on our churches. I believe it's very important that the churches stand firm and provide hope, provide faith for mankind today. All over the world, all over the world. And people are turning to God all over the world. And I believe that we need to pray for God's mercy on our nation, God's mercy on our churches, God's mercy on our homes how about your home? How about you as an individual? Have mercy on us, God, in our homes, in our lives, in our businesses. And I pray that you would just cause your Holy Spirit to move throughout this land and do a work in our lives. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn, from their wicked ways. 
God Almighty is saying to America, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. And I will heal their lands. God bless you today.